0: Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders podcast from Training Industry. Hello and welcome to The Business of Learning. I'm Taryn H. DeLong, Managing Editor of Digital Content at Training Industry.
1: And I'm Sarah Gallo, an associate editor at Training Industry. Before we get started, I'd like to say that this episode of The Business of Learning is sponsored by Training Industry Research.
0: As a training professional, your job is to effectively manage the business of learning. You probably listened to this podcast to gain insights on L&D trends being used by some of the most innovative thought leaders in our market. But did you know that training industry also provides data-driven analysis and best practices through our premium research reports? Our entire catalog, including reports on topics such as Deconstructing 70 2010, women's access to leadership development, learner preferences, and the state of the training market, just to name a few, can be found at trainingindustry.com slash shop research new insights create new ways for D to do business let training industry research reports assist you in taking your learning initiatives to new heights go to training shopresearch to view our entire catalog for over a decade training industry has been conducting research on the process capabilities and best practices of great training organizations our recently launched report what makes a training organization great identifies strategic alignment as the most important process capability With that in mind, today we're speaking with Maggie Redling, Manager of Learning and Development at Avid Exchange, Inc., and Coleman Williams, Senior Manager of Human Resources and Talent Operations at Avid Exchange, Inc., to learn more about strategic alignment and how to achieve it. Maggie, Coleman, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Nice to be here.
2: Hello. Thank you for having us.
1: To get started, why don't you define strategic alignment for us? Coleman, do you want to start us off?
2: Actually, I'm going to let Maggie start us off.
1: I'm
3: going to get it. I'm going to keep it really simple. So when I think about strategic alignment, it's really about simply working towards the same goal um, and being planful about how you do that. Um, So it's making sure you have the right people in the right seats, um, using the same language. It's having the right resources. Actually, as I thought about thinking about this, it makes me think of like a rowboat. Um, and and you're on the water and there's people in the rowboat and it's about, do you have the people in the right spots? Are there four on one side and two on the other? Are you going in circles? Do you have oars? At the end of the day, hopefully everybody in that boat is trying to get to the other side of the lake or the finish line. And it's that piece that really makes it strategic.
2: So I'll jump in here and, uh, this is not meant to, to be political. It is election season. And uh, CNN is actually running a commercial right now. And there is a donkey and an elephant and they're in a rowboat. They're in the same rowboat and they're both kind of rowing erratically in different directions. And I don't recall which one, but one of them turns around to the other and says, you know what? We're, we're never going to get anywhere uh, if we're not on the same page. So really, if they're not aligned, they're not going to get anywhere. So one of them begins to call out "Row." So row, row, row. So now they are in alignment, right? Their, their paddles are hitting the water at the same time, but they're mm. still going in different directions. So while they are now aligned, they there was no strategy to it whatsoever other than to, to ensure that their paddles are hitting the, the water at the same time. It's just a very interesting commercial, but it, it, it speaks volumes about how we can be in alignment, but still not have a strategy to figure out where we're going
3: got to be going towards the same same place. That's such a great analogy. Uh, yeah, I think we can all relate to that, especially
0: in this season, Coleman, like you said. And how can learning leaders identify and align their training initiatives to key business goals, especially at a time when business priorities are constantly shifting, like what we've seen often this year?
2: Yeah, I, get, I think you have to have a seat at the table, right? And I know people have heard that before. And what does that, having a seat at the table actually mean? And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to the executive meetings that you're helping drive all the decisions for the business, but who is that strategic partner in the business that you can align yourself with? Who is that executive that you can align yourself with that whenever there are decisions being made for the business, that they'll speak up for you? And I know a lot of people are probably like, well, what about my direct leader? You know, what about, you know, I I report into the uh, chief people, so what about him? for her. And I think that, yeah, that's a great person to do that, but who else in the business can you align yourself with that can also speak up for and acknowledge learning has a place here, too. And we have to think about the resources for learning. We have to think about the timing that learning needs to help make that impact.
3: Think about it that learning leaders actually need to think about themselves differently, especially now more than ever. So historically we're always a pretty traditional department and we sometimes are order takers but learning leaders need to start to see themselves as consultants and as partners to the business to do so much more than just deliver on some sort of solution um, because it's really that consultation that helps not only here directly from the leaders whether it's leaders or even teammates sitting down with teammates getting a coffee hearing what their issues are really helps to see um, where there may be misalignment. Um, And you help them tell the story of their own strategic alignment, their own strategic plan to drive performance that helps you as, as that leader figure out what do we need to really do? And it's a little bit different and it's a little bit scary if you haven't done that before, but that consultancy is what helps you really get that understanding of what the business needs.
2: Right. And I'll add that business priorities are always shifting. They were, they were shifting for our current environment with the virus. And our L&D teams should have already been an integral part of the, of the business and the teams that they partner with. And if you're out there and you're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I've not been aligned. We've kind of been doing this or, you know, there's, we're always hoping to, to get that seat at the table. Use this as that opportunity. You know, now is a, is a great time to set up time with uh, someone else in the business or set up time with one of these leaders and say, hey, I just want to grab 15, 20 minutes of your time and have a, just a, a discussion about how we could partner differently or how we can partner better and understand what it is that you're doing in the business and, and what your role in the business is.
3: Yeah, a, this, this makes me think of, you know, what's been happening over the past five months. The world has changed. Um, What our businesses have done has changed. And Abbott Exchange, we mobilized in three days to get every single person working from their home office with new equipment. We had folks with desktop computers. So everyone got mobilized and it was amazing. And it made us all think about how do we actually keep work moving? And so L&D didn't necessarily play a large role. We were often big people actually delivering communication, but we weren't actually part of how do we build a plan to communicate. So I, as we started to shift the to homework from home, I, uh, as leader of L&D, started to meet weekly, sometimes more, with our head of teammate communications, employee communications. You know, the ones who are managing all the emails, our big company meetings, we had them every single day when we first started. There are specific ones for people leaders. And this was like the perfect time for us to actually realize we should be having this partnership all the time since talent and HR and especially learning leadership are some of the biggest communicators why aren't we working with team communications more often and that was a way for us to really understand what we were communicating why we were communicating and how we were going to do it maybe a little bit differently the the leader her name's Allison and she you know she hears a lot when she's she, that's her role. She's there to talk to our CEO, to talk to the executive. She heard a lot about what was happening. I heard a lot from teammates because of learning programs that are happening, what's coming into talent and HR, and we were able to align that to make sure that we were delivering. And i while I hate that the catalyst of this was COVID, it really showed that having this type of alignment with each other just makes all the difference.
1: Definitely. I think effective communication, while it's always important, it's especially important right now. Mm -hmm. Are there any other soft skills or other competencies that you think learning leaders need right now during the crisis?
3: Yes, I think, I know it's kind of a buzzword. So disclaimer, disclaimer, (laughs) we're saying a buzzword right now, but being agile, and maybe I'm going to say differently, is having agility and not feeling as if you need everything perfect. So kind of, we always want it to be beautiful. And, you know, as, as learning, we like it to be flashy and engaging and the right colors and make sure the right words, but sometimes it holds us back. So being able to be reactive very quickly and deliver something that's maybe 60%, 70% is enough right now. And really, because no, on the other end, our audience probably wouldn't necessarily know we are setting these major expectations for ourselves. And I think being able to say like, you know, you know we're gonna be agile, it's gonna be iterative, it's gonna be okay, Actually, actually is okay.
2: And I think for me, the part of it and part of being agile is the ability to be open to trying new tools, but not just to try the new tools, but to use them at their best, right? So there's been a shift in the use of technology. We were using Microsoft Teams prior to to removing to really this work from home or, or work from home workforce, but people weren't utilizing Teams uh, in the way that they should. Um, a, a couple of folks were, a couple of you know knew you know how great how pow- powerful the tool could be, but what the shift did was it forced people to learn the tool in just a matter of days and. I would say we've become a more productive company because of that. Interestingly enough, had the, had the virus not happened, had we not been forced to move to work from home, I do not think that we would be utilizing Microsoft Teams in the way that we are today. So it was, I think even as things uh, return to, to normal, whatever normal may be, we have now adapted and we need to keep that mindset How do we ensure that people can adapt and change quickly and are willing to adopt new strategies or new tools?
1: Yeah. And as we mentioned before, training industry research identified strategic alignment as the most important process capability of great training organizations. Why do you think strategic alignment is so vital for great training?
3: I really think it's vital because you need to build something that matters. And we need to be building education and resources that make a difference, that that are not just there because they're fun and engaging, and it's a great new new authoring tool that we found, but it actually makes some sort of impact.
2: You ha- you have to be the L and D partner they need, not just the one that they want. <laughs> and for all of you superhero fans out there, that's a take on a Batman quote: um, <laughs> "He's the hero that Gotham needs." Uh, Not necessarily the one that they want, but I I, I think it rings true. Sometimes the the L&D partner that they want is the order taker, and you don't need to be the order taker. Uh, Maybe sometimes, but not all of the time.
3: Training can be great. Any training can be great. We can make a great training. I think anyone listening to this, and probably you, can make anything really fun. Like, how do I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know? That can be a really cool simulation. It can have, it can have a flash, it can, it can have a theme song to teach you it. It can have a lot of different things. But again, it goes back to does that even matter? Do we need that in order for our organization to be high performing, to have higher engagement, to satisfy our customers more quickly and better? That's where that strategic alignment comes in. So it's interesting. I think a lot of folks. Especially in the business, goes straight to like I want a really cool, great training. When really has content's content is content, <laughs> but it's that alignment that that's valuable.
2: So I have a a question actually for Maggie. Okay, when is the last time you've seen an organization train their people how to learn? Probably never.
3: Taryn, have you ever had an organization teach their employees how to learn? You know, as far as my own personal experience, we talk about that a lot at training industry because that's the industry that we're in. But (laughs) outside of that, I don't think so. I know that in uh, middle school, in homeroom, we had a lot of study tips and strategies to teach those. I mean, really, at the end of the day, those are metacognitive strategies that you're teaching. That's a big word for you. But it's true. I don't (laughs) know the last time that an employee we've taught sat down and helped our employees Learn how to learn.
2: Yeah, and I guess the biggest reason I ask is it's a strategy that we can apply, we should apply. But again, I think it goes back to you know, the 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 topic of the day around alignment and, and strategic alignment. If you're not a key part of a business of a business unit, when you say, "Hey, I'm actually going to teach your people how to learn," uh, you might have a business leader like look at you uh, like you're you're crazy. And it ultimately comes down to, you no, know, we need to teach people how to learn because a lot of times what any of us has probably heard back, well, mad people don't learn like that. Mad people, no. uh, you know, you'll hear the, uh, they're a visual learner, you'll hear. uh. Yes. Oh, that. Yes, you'll, now you will fight that. Um, but, you, you know, you hear that and it's maybe that was the way they were taught to learn. So maybe there's a different opportunity to teach people how to learn Uh, so that we can move faster and we can be in alignment.
3: That brings you back to it's not letting your business, you're playing this partner so that your business leaders don't dictate how you develop your training or your learning resources so that they aren't saying, I have a visual learner, I need only a video, when realistically you know that they can do something hands-on or there's so many different ways to learn different types of content. But it goes back to you're having the business leader partner with you to figure out what the actual need is, what strategically will make a difference so that their teammates are doing their job faster and happier and more satisfied is I think the difference is to pull them away from dictating what we are delivering and get them focused back on the business, which is why they're there. That's why we're not there.
0: Yeah, those are some great points. And Coleman, I loved that question. I went to college originally to be a teacher, and so that's something I thought a lot about but don't necessarily see a lot of um, in the real world, so to speak.
2: I spent the uh, first three years in the real world uh, as a teacher at high school, and it's definitely, you know, it it does not come naturally even to students, uh, especially when they've never been taught how to think about how to take notes or how to listen for keywords or hey, you need to read the next five pages doesn't actually mean you have to read the next five pages, but you need to be able to pick up the key concepts uh, as you skim through a page.
3: A couple years ago, uh, Coleman and I, we were at Learning, it must been Learning 2018, Elliot Macy's Learning Conference. And our topic was how to teach, like teaching our employees how to learn. I had a better name than that. Uh, but the, the, the folks who joined the session I think we all had the same, like, yeah, why don't we? Why aren't we using jingles? Jingles more to help our teammates remember our winning moves or our big, hairy, audacious goals, because it's hard to remember. Um, So why aren't we helping them figure out how to remember?
0: So we know uh, one of the challenges then that in achieving training outcomes and strategic alignment is, you know, making sure that our learners know how to learn. But we know that there are other struggles that learning leaders have with with making sure that their training is strategically aligned with their business goals, what are some of the other key challenges that you find associated with strategic alignment?
3: I think one of the things that is a challenge is having a common language. So as learning nerds, which we are, we're experts in our field. And so we know a lot of words like metacognitive strategies or whatever it may be that we tend to use instead of trying to use the language that the business leaders know. And I think that's one of the ways that we build up walls between ourselves, that we say we're different. We don't need to know your language, but you need to know ours. And so I think it's how do we build that common language? And when I I say that, I don't mean losing our expert learning psychology language. No, keep using it, but tell a story in order to help someone understand So, you know, it's really simple, but just realizing now, I took us all back to middle school, homeroom, study hall, when we all had to sit there and figure out how to learn a new study strategy. Just that gave context for a word that maybe some folks wouldn't know, metacognitive. So I'm able to still be the expert that they need me to be, because that's why they're using me. That's why they're using my team is because we know this, but I'm also helping make a connection to something that they know. Um, and I think it goes the other way. So there's a lot of things that I will be real honest that I don't understand as part of the business, uh, even at Avid Exchange, that I need the leaders to take a little bit longer to explain to me so that I can then do what I need to. But it's building that commonality between us that I think is one of the biggest challenges. And I think both sides don't necessarily want to give.
2: I'll add to that. I think most of our businesses are are, are moving very quickly. And... It's interesting. I think if you were to talk to anyone at any business right now, they would say, oh, we're moving so fast. Like, I don't think anyone understands how fast we're moving. And and that sentiment echoes across multiple businesses. So I'm sure that there's someone that can can empathize with them and relate. But it's because we are all moving fast or we always believe we're moving so quickly that we have to remember to slow down. Because if we move too fast, we are going to leave someone or some group a department, whatever it may be, or maybe even our, our customers behind. And so it does become increasingly important to be able to at least take that moment to pause. And and so that is a challenge. And we have to be more vocal about asking for that pause.
3: And that can even come with how do you build that relationship to be that partner makes me think it was only a couple of weeks ago that I asked a newly she, she now in our organization, she has a new team supporting some onboarding activities. So some functional onboarding, not her strong suit. She doesn't know a whole lot. And I was just like, can we get coffee? Like, how's it going? I just want to know, how are you as a leader in this new space? What's happening with your new team? Are there challenges? And even the spending, we only talked for 20 minutes. Literally, we had coffee at 9 a.m. in the morning. I was able to hear that she, she was seeing some dips in attrition, or I guess spikes in attrition, some dips in morale. And she thought that maybe something that could fix it was fixing the onboarding program. So she was going to go ask for more resources, get some cash to get a new tool to help with some virtual instructor-led training. Um, and so I asked, like, okay, that you know, could be a solution. What are, you, what are you asking for? Like what tool? Zoom, Adobe Connect. Like, is there something, you know, we, we're a team site, we're a team house, Microsoft. So, you know, this has different functionality. She goes, I have no idea. And so right then and there you realize like, oh, okay, you really don't know. And so even if the moment I was just slowing down for 20 minutes to have that conversation, I could give her some advice to say, like, I don't even know if it's a tool. Have you thought about getting some more instructional design di- designers who have virtual experience? Because they can create that content on whatever platform. Like, yes, there are platforms that make it easier but they can really do it in any way. And so it's that slow down, taking that moment and just talking and connecting made it so that she was able to ask for the right things instead of something that she really really didn't need.
1: Yeah. So thanks for breaking down all those challenges. We know strategically aligning training to business goals is not easy, but when we are successful with it, how can it lead to a greater return on investment for training?
2: I
3: think it's interesting because I see a lot that learning programs are very reflective and a little bit insular. So looking really only at like, you know, if we're thinking of Kirkpatrick, those four levels from just like smile sheets, did I like it to like true ROI. And we're really only focused on like, did you learn in the program? I bring that up because I think that's one of the biggest things holding us back. Is that we're stuck in that area of saying like I need to prove that this moment in time mattered instead of actually the longer term investment.
2: I am in a uh, pretty new role for myself with our HR operations, our talent operations team, and this is, is is one of the things that we are continuing to to look at closer and closer and. Recently, we have built out a dashboard really to see more trends than anything. But with that, what we also want to do is make sure that there is an ROI when we invest a lot of time or we invest money in launching a new program. And one of the things that is missing, and this goes back to what Maggie just said, is we kind of just look at ourselves and what are we doing and why are we doing it and Not being an integral part or not being integrated into that business unit, you're probably not going to get the numbers you want or you're not going to ask yourself the right questions to build out that dashboard to be able to show, hey, here's where we started. Here's where we're going. Here was the investment. Here's how we're performing today. And honestly, if the business is coming to you with an issue or a challenge that they already have they're likely not just engaging you, but they're engaging other folks, and they're already planning on rolling out other programs. So now it turns into, I can't just look at myself and and how I'm making an impact. I need to look at the bigger picture. I need to look at how am I impacting the program? How am I impacting a specific department? And how do I fit in longer term to see how we move the needle?
3: So I'll tell you a little, bring this to life a little bit, because as you say that, it makes me think of a program that really Coleman and I spearheaded over the past year and got launched in February, right before the world changed. We call it My Career at Avid Exchange. It's a philosophy for career development, but it is also a tool that is, what is it? How would we describe it? teammate development tool platform.
2: A people experience tool.
3: People experience tool. It's a bridge for anyone who who wants to go look it up. It's a really amazing platform that has lots of functionality from engagement scores to um, help facilitating one-on-one conversations. It can hold your development plan. It can have skills. It has your LMS. It's really this one-stop shop for development. So, I say all that is we launched this program because we saw an engagement score as part of last year's assessment that said 51% of our teammates saw growth and development opportunities. So, 51, that's great. But that means 49% of our teammates did not. So, what do we do? So we could, as learning leaders, we could just, you know, help the leaders figure out what they want to do, give them their results and move on, maybe create some training around something, communication. But instead, what we've done over the past couple of months is really think through how can we use the metrics that the business is already using. So we already have this engagement score. So that's one barometer to see if on an ongoing basis, if that changes. But we can also now use this amazing tool to help facilitate something that's already an expectation of our teammates and leaders, which is having a one-on-one at least every other week, maybe once a month for some of those really big teams. This tool gives us a way to track that. We are then able to build you know, a ton of communications and resources about how do I have an effective one-on-one? What should be a part of it? And then we're also able to start tracking our development goals. How many of our teams actually have a documented development goal in this new tool, my career. So again, these are expectations that the business already had on themselves. We just are now able to integrate ourselves as learning into that so that we can help track it and then help solution when we see dips. So if there's an organization or a small business unit that, you know, is, not having one-on-ones, we can work closely with our talent business partners and say, hey, what's happening? Why? Is it I don't know how? Is it I don't know how to use the tool? Is it I don't want to talk to my leader? Now, what is that thing that then we can build some resources and communications around it that really has given us a whole different seat at the table? going to take it back to that. We are looked at completely different than we were six months ago because we are no longer just delivering on a tool, or throwing out some random resources. Now we're doing exactly what they need when they need it, but it's still giving us the information that we need and learning to to drive us forward.
2: Right, and with that seat, and talking about the seat of the table, two, two things kind of come to mind for me. One, we also track internal moves within our company. So not only are we now just looking at engagement scores, but now we can also look at these internal moves to see what impact, making sure that people understand how they can develop and grow in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's one business unit specifically that that's very important to them, right? And they have a lot of entry-level employees. And so and the, the jobs can be um, repetitive. You can actually have a lot of high turnover. We know when we hire folks that, you know, a year, year and a half into it, they are going to be looking. They're going to be looking for that next thing. Again, the the role can be kind of repetitive. And so if we're doing a good job and if my career is making an impact, we should be seeing an increase in internal moves because these folks are getting the skills that they need. They're getting the training around the skills that they need. They are getting the support they need, the coaching that they need to be able to move to that next role when it opens up within the organization. And the other side of the coin is we have a seat at the table at the executive level now and not just with our chief people officer, but with our chief information officer um, as well. She's also drinking the Kool-Aid because we have a great partnership with her and she sees how we're moving and how we're partnering to move the needle within her own team and how we're partnering to help develop her teammates to move them to the next role or even move teammates outside of the group that she leads into her team.
3: And that's where the value comes in, is that that's what they start to see and how you start to see that return.
2: And just to add one other uh, thought to this, going back to the very beginning, none of this happens without relationships. So again, if you don't have those relationships, it's pick up the phone, send a meeting invite, whatever it may be, but connect with someone, connect with someone new and just start to have those discussions so that you can understand how, what they think moving the needle forward is. And then you can also share your opinion.
1: Yeah, very cool. Those relationships are, are definitely important right now. And as we record this episode, the coronavirus pandemic has, of course, taken a toll on business outcomes across the country um, and the world. How can creating and delivering strategically aligned training initiatives help learning leaders prove their value to the business when it's more important than ever that they do so?
3: That value, I think, comes in the change in our role. So no longer just the trainers, just the instructional designers, just the e-learning. Yes, learning is still at the heart of everything that we do, but the way in which that happens, I think, has completely changed. Or you have the opportunity to change it. I think learning leaders' scope has broadened. So no longer are we just the people that do the learning, but we're the consultants that help businesses figure out really what's at the heart of it. The coaches that help leaders build their own confidence, figure out where their strengths and and opportunities are, and shift how they lead. And then it's really being a leader in communication. I would say that probably a good 60% of my job now is communicating Um, it's not necessarily building content i'm in my team too because it's now we have to figure out one how do we get buy-in from different leaders or different teammates how do i make it exciting for teammates to want to join a career fair virtually it's still there for their development but i have to do it differently so we have to think a lot more about communication strategy which is really fun and really does use a lot of what we know about cognitive you know, learning and, and all of that, it just isn't, hasn't always been part of how organizations have seen L&D before. So I think that's where our value really is driven, especially in these uncertain times, is to say we can kind of step into these different spaces and have a much bigger impact on the organization.
2: And going back to our tools or our platforms, do they work? Do they work seamlessly? Do they integrate into other systems platforms we have across the organization? Because if they don't, then, you know, or if it takes, if it takes me more than, you know, four or five clicks, I'm already done. I'm not going to keep clicking to try to get to where I want or where I want to go. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to ping somebody, whatever it may be. So there's already a breakdown in my tool or the way that I'm communicating. And now there's even a mistrust in whatever platform it was that I was using. So we have to make sure that as Maggie thinks about the communication, how is she going to get that out there? Is it going through an email? Is it going onto a website? Is it being sent through uh, one of our HR platforms? But Again, if they don't work, they only have to not work once for someone to lose trust, right? And and sometimes we can explain that away for disruptions in service, everything, and, and people can be forgiven. But when it becomes repetitive or there has to be workarounds every single time you use it. People lose trust in systems, tools, platforms, and will not return to this. And so we just have to think about that. And then also thinking about what roles our people have, right? Uh, again, we have folks that are on the phone all day long, phone call after phone call after phone call. And they don't necessarily have time to read their email. And and their volume of emails can be pretty low, but if they're on the phone, sending an email out as a communication is not the right platform. But, oh wait, guess what? I know that they work in Salesforce, so is there an opportunity for me to somehow get that message out to them through Salesforce, knowing that that's where they spend 90% of their time? And if we don't partner with the business, we're not integrated in with the business, We don't think about that, right? We just say, oh, hey, this works for majority of the company. Well, majority of the company, when you leave, you know, you leave out 30%, that's still not good.
3: I'm going to make their lives easier. Well, thanks
0: so much for joining us today, Maggie and Coleman. Is there any, are there any final thoughts or takeaways you'd like to leave us with?
3: Yes. Only one thing that I want everyone listening to this and you as well, Taryn, to keep in mind is that, you know, we kind of talked a lot of business, learning business today. I know it's the point of the podcast, but I want to remind everyone to have fun. You know, this learning space (laughs) is a really fun place to be. We get to do some pretty ridiculous things sometimes. And don't forget that just because the world is a little crazy right now and that it feels really heavy, that maybe this is the right time to do something a little bit more lighthearted to get your message across because I think you'd be surprised at the reaction.
2: And I'll add to that, smile. So, you, Taryn, if you would smile right now, I'm smiling. Maggie, smiling. smiling. If you're listening, smile, right? It's, it's, it's that ability to just take a step back. Think about who you're bringing to the, the office environment, who you're bringing online. You know, what is your, that presence that you have? What's your character? You don't have to just be so upset and hardened about everything going on. There's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world. So how can you bring that little bit of joy back to the people that you work with and partner with to give them the the brain break? Again, like Maggie said, everybody's running a business and running a business, it can be hard, it can be serious, but there is time for that, those moments of joy. So celebrate and bring your best self.
3: We hosted, our company does a daily huddle. It's like a 15 minute huddle on Fridays, a couple days a week, but Fridays was about a month or two ago. Coleman and I were asked to lead it weren't given any real direction. So, you know, we took our brains and uh, went in a really interesting direction, but we wanted to have a purpose because we wanted to make sure that we were aligned to how the business was working and what we wanted out of it was to help our teammates run their meetings more effectively. We are a very meeting heavy organization, especially now more than ever. And so it's hard. Um, so we wanted to help people learn the best practices, shut the meeting down early, Make sure there's an agenda. Do you have the right people? And how did we do it? Coleman, tell tell, tell her how we did it.
2: Yeah, so we um, we locked our uh, chief people officer in a tower, yeah. and he was locked in the tower by a meeting monster, right? So serious topic, not so serious way to approach it. So he had to ultimately be saved from the meeting monster uh, by teaching people best practices.
3: So the doctor, that's me, and the fan.
2: That's me. So in case you're wondering, that... Fan are my credentials, right? So it's Coleman Williams, comma, fan, F-A-N, and that means professional fan.
3: He's a wrestler fan, wrestling fan. But we had we built these characters and had a comic book. <laughs> these comic book characters save our chief people officer from the meeting monster in a tower by setting an agenda, canceling the meeting, or shutting it down early. And it seemed dumb, and it seemed superficial, but it actually has penetrated into even our like company-wide working, what is it, weekly operating reviews to say, how are we looking at the amount of time that we are in meetings? And people are using the word, all right, I don't want the meeting monster to take a hold of us. I'm going to let us in five minutes early. So it seems, seems like it's so superficial, but even just bringing a little bit of levity into it can still, you can still teach. I mean, you do it all the time, elementary school teachers. You, you're, you have the most creative minds. Bring it into the workplace. Adults like to have fun, too.
1: <laughs> I love that. It sounds like you guys have a lot of fun over there. <laughs> thank you both for, for joining us today on The Business of Learning.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank you. Great tips, I think, for learning leaders in particular, but really for everybody bringing some joy and levity into the workplace during a difficult year. To learn more about strategic alignment and other key best practices that define great training organizations, check out our recently launched report, What Makes a Training Organization Great? You can find a link to the report and other resources on strategic alignment in the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast.
1: And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at infotrainingindustry.com or use the Contact Us page at TrainingIndustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.